Jewish Latin Princess, episode 131, Hannah Mason, vitality coach and author of Hold That Thought. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Have you ever questioned your thoughts? You might start doing so today. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. All right, so let's talk about thoughts, like breaking them apart, shredding them to pieces kind of thing, and how liberating this can be. Oh boy, my guest called me out on my own thinking today, as you will soon hear. I have vitality coach and author Hannah Mason on the show, and she will teach us how to turn those thoughts around into thoughts that actually help us instead of hold us back. Wouldn't we all be much better off in many areas of our lives if we master changing the narrative that goes on in our heads? I think so. And today you'll see how Hannah's way of inquiring upon the narrative that we're telling ourselves works and we'll learn how to do this ourselves. Sounds exciting, right? In fact, you will hear, like I told you before, that Hannah actually called me out on my own thinking and I purposely left this part of the interview because I think that's you're going to gain a lot from it. I certainly did. Just to brag a little bit about um, Hannah, she is the author of Hold That Thought, Build Clarity, Peace and Joy by Bringing Mastery Over Your Thinking. And she's the creator of the course Release That Thought. Through her straight talk, open heart and joyful demeanor, which you'll get to experience today, Hannah helps her clients clarify a vision, shift the beliefs getting in their way and manifest their dreams. And as you will soon see, Hannah has a unique ability to turn complex ideas into easy to access tools for transformation. I'm impressed and I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to have Hannah on the show today and to have been exposed to her wonderful work. And I know you will too. But before I bring her on, I wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners who left a review. As I told you, I, every week I will be picking somebody a review from the iTunes page. And then that person will get a chance to have a 20 minute call with me where we'll get to connect and talk about anything that is going on in her life or just connect period. And so today's review is from Law Girl 29. And she says, smart and inspiring conversations. She says, loving these podcast episodes, smart and inspiring conversations with Jewish women. Thank you for always asking the questions we want to know. Well, thank you, Law Girl 29. I'm happy that you've been enjoying the show. Be in touch with me via email, yael at jewishlatinprincess.com. And let me know that you were the one law girl 29 who wrote the the review and then let's schedule a time to chat and to the rest of you leave a review and rating i look forward to reading those and i will continue to pick um, those and feature them here and whoever is picked regardless of what you say in your review you will get you know i'll pick anybody um that person will get 20 a 20 minute call with me for us to connect all right ladies get your thinking caps ready because here's the super insightful hannah mason Hi, 
Anna Mason. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. It's so great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All the way from Nachlaot, Jerusalem, correct? Yeah. Where we met many years ago when your son was a baby and I was probably pregnant with my first child. <laughs> so <laughs> many things have evolved over the years. How do we, how do we like catch up on like a decade and a half uh, in, in 30 <laughs> minutes? I'm not sure. <laughs> We're going to have to make it into a personal meeting. <laughs> Your latest book, Hannah, is Hold That Thought, Build Clarity, Peace, and Joy by Gaining Mastery Over Your Thinking. And what a book it is. And you also recently co-wrote a fiction book with your husband, Cash Machine, correct? Which I, yes. the, the Cash Machine, which I just finished. Um, it's been an incredibly prolific year for you guys. We'll get to that soon because you also published another book with him. What I want to start off with is your work as, as a vitality coach. And how did you end up in this career path? Because I don't, I don't recall when we met many, many years ago that that was what you were doing then. And particularly something that impresses me about your work as a coach, which I found it comes really, it becomes really evident in your book, Hold That Thought, is that you're super clear and systematic. It's almost like an engineer's brain. Like when I was reading it and my husband was reading it, it's like, wow, like she breaks it apart into these like systems and pieces. So take me to the career path and take me to this engineer brain, even though I don't think you're an engineer. Well, believe it or not, when I went to college, I went to study engineering. Ah, so, so it's so really you see, cool to hear you say that. I nailed it. Did anybody um, else ever yeah, suspect totally that? I nailed it. <laughs> and uh, it's actually my, my passion as an educator. And I think that's, that, that that's why I love to teach so much is I love to take complex ideas and figure out how to break them down in ways that people can understand. And exactly. the other thing I studied in, in university is uh, theatrical directing. And mm -hmm. one of the things directors, at least from my perspective, in you know, my humble experience is that a director's job is to help actors um, bring a story to life. And what I would encounter when I was directing people is that sometimes actors couldn't really connect to the text, mm -hmm. or they didn't really find a way to like understand what was going on with the character or be able to bring it to life. And so I just spontaneously come up with exercises that helped their brain and the text and their heart connect and so so that it would click. Mm -hmm. And that's something I do all the time with clients. I just create exercises, create tools that help bring ideas down from being like in the philosophical realm into the practical realm. So you can actually like create real change and understanding and download in your life. Right, right. Amazing. And so when you started off um, your married, your marriage, your motherhood journey, etc. And you were thinking about what to do professionally, how did you evolve? How did you land into coaching? Oh, my gosh, what a craziest story. So I studied engineering and theater. And when I finished college, I got recruited to work for a management consulting firm in Australia called Bain and Company. Yeah. And I wore a suit and worked in a fancy <laughs> building and all the people have such a hard time imagining. Totally not the Nachlaot yeah. vibe, people. Um, okay. I have a hard time imagining it because I met you and, in Nachlaot. Right, exactly. But I got a really fantastic business education while mm -hmm. I was there. And, and what I learned at Bain has stuck with me ever since. Really? And I'm constantly applying those business principles. Um, Oftentimes in my coaching practice, like people will come and they're like, okay, I'm opening up a business and they're looking for a different kind of coaching, but the business is just right there and it's just right for discourse. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really great. And, um, and then I, because I was so passionate about theater, I was thinking about creating a, an arts education institution. 
When I met my husband, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create an institution where there would be tons of studios for artists. Mm -hmm. And that's where they, you know, lived and worked, not lived, but you know, that's where they spent most of their time. And then the institution would send them out to schools to teach so that the artists would be constantly guaranteed full time work, Mm -hmm. being able to balance their art with teaching. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know what happened to that idea. I have lots of ideas that don't always pan out. Um, (laughs) But wait, at this point, you've already given up on the idea of management consulting and the crazy lifestyle. (laughs) The 60 hour work week. I never wanted to be a management consultant. I just wanted to move to Australia. And that was my ticket to Australia. And Uh I knew it would be a really cool experience. But it's not something I wanted to do long term ever. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to become a, a consultant and help people in their communication skills and presentation skills. I wanted to teach business people how to do good theater, basically. Mm. Um, that was that was my vision, and um, and then when we got married, I really just wanted to dedicate myself to motherhood. So I would support my husband in his business, and he needed a graphic designer, and we were struggling to find a good graphic designer. So I just taught myself graphic design, and so I did graphic design for a few years, and um, also started teaching at different seminaries. And then I saw that there was really a lack in the Jewish education, there's kind of a hole in Jewish education. So I opened up a seminary, did that for a little while, and Mm -hmm. that closed. And um, in the meantime, our biggest passion for both my husband and myself is mentoring young people. Mm -hmm. And we decided in living where we live that we're going to be family to all of these young students and artists who move to Israel from, you know, other parts of the world who don't have family. So we, we were their family mm-hmm. and meant, you know, when you mentor people, hundreds of people come through your home over the years, you start seeing patterns and behaviors in the way people are. And through all of that, I was going through my own personal growth journey and learning a lot of personal growth tools and applying the tools that I was learning, not just to myself, but also to the people I was mentoring. Right. And eventually it just became natural to be like, okay, well, why don't I just, you know, put up a shingle and actually mentor people for, for legit in a structured way. Mm-hmm. And that started about five years ago while I was still homeschooling, which by the way, we, we homeschooled for a number of years. Wow. So, um, so as, as soon as we stopped homeschooling, which happened about a year and a half ago, that's when I really started to, you know, to take my coaching practice up a notch. And in the meantime, people started, other coaches and therapists were asking me for how to use Socratic inquiry, which is really at the core of this book, Hold That Thought. Yes. How to use that in their own coaching practices effectively with their clients. And so I started to write a book for coaches and for therapists to help them, um, to really ground them in, okay, like, how do you use this in your clinical practice? And my nephew read the book and Mm -hmm. he's like, he didn't know any of any of this stuff, but he read it like a layperson. He's like, "This is perfectly great for lay people. Why are you only writing it for coaches?" Yeah, why? So <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, because I was intimidated. So right, it's like I a limiting b- b- the fear. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I expanded the language and made it much more user friendly for anyone. Mm-hmm. And um, and even then, now I see like, wow, I want to take people even deeper into like, how do you go through this process really step by step, break it down even more. So that somebody just themselves and a journal can engage in inquiry on a really simple level on a daily basis. So that's the book I'm working on right now. Oh, that sounds super cool. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. (laughs) So why don't we walk listeners through the inquiry? Because really hold that thought is it's an incredible book on its own. But just having that sort of manual that we can work on our own sounds really, really uh, like a great idea. So I'm supporting you full on on that. But in your book, you basically um, 
you base it on your experience with clients as work as well as on the work of Byron Katie, which literally is called the work, <laughs> which is this process of inquiry of your thoughts. And you've obviously developed it in your own way and taken it a st- many, many steps further. But so why don't you share with listeners, what is the premise of your system of inquiry of thoughts? So there's sort sort of certain like basic um, understandings of the world that are at the basis of inquiry. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that inside of each of us is the wisdom to really know what's true and what's right. We just need to create a space to, to ask questions and allow truth to, to arise and to come up to the surface. And so like, that's why I see what I do as much more of a facilitation process where it's mm-hmm. like, if I ask good questions, you know, people's wisdom will arise and they'll just come to so much understanding on their own. Um, and the other thing is there's this really, really cool thing that I don't know how I put this together, but Byron Katie was always talking about how, um, you know, when, when something is what she wants in life is to be happy. Yeah. And when she's believing something that makes her unhappy, she'd rather believe something else so that she can experience joy. And at some point, I put that together with just a basic understanding of how lie detector tests work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Because most of us struggle to connect some of the heebie-jeebie spiritual stuff yeah. with like practical science. Yeah. So here's some practical science. Let's hear if it. You, if you get connected to a lie detector test. Yeah. Okay. How does it know you're lying? I have no idea. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> so if your body, really simple, if your body goes into a stress response, uh-huh. it knows you're lying. If your heart rate goes up and your palms get sweaty and your breathing goes shallow, if you go into an adrenal response, into mm-hmm. a stress response, the machine goes crazy. Mm-hmm. If you stay open and present and calm, the machine is quiet. Could you so, be lying? Could you actually be lying and still be present and calm and open? There are people who are like really, really good at over, you know, a kind of like, um, what's it called? At tricking the system. Uh huh. But if you're not working really hard to trick the system and you just really want to know what the truth is for mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. then your body's going to tell you. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is that your body intrinsically has a yes or no truth lie mechanism embedded into it. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is listen. But most of us have been trained to look outside of ourselves for truth as opposed to inside of ourselves. Right. And as soon as you get that, then you're like, oh, wow. As soon as my body starts to tighten up, as soon as my heart starts to race, as soon as I, my posture sinks or I feel sad or closed or angry, I know I'm believing something that's not true. And in addition to the fact that that just feels yucky, which mm-hmm. who wants to feel yucky? That's just a bummer. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I also know I'm believing something that's not true. And so I can simply ask myself a really simple question. What am I believing right now that's making me feel this way? And I can put pen to paper and answer that question. Mm. And then I can start to question the thoughts that come onto the paper. And that's the best way for me to be able to explain that is to really, you know, to show you. So if if you want to volunteer, I can like show you like on some thought, you know, some situation that you've been in. Um, that brought you stress. Let's do it. Okay, I have to come up with a situation that has brought me stress. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, a situation that has brought me stress. Um, my son's autoimmune condition. Okay, so what about it? Um, his frustration with it, um, his emotional turmoil with it, and trying to help him you know, see the good and work with what he has in front of him. And um, yeah, does that make sense? Okay. 
So I want you to imagine a specific moment in time. It could be yesterday. It could have been three months ago. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But a specific moment in time that you can picture where you were experiencing um, frustration or anxiety or upset around this situation. Okay. You're there? I'm there. Okay. So you don't need to tell us what was happening in the situation. Just give me like a little um, location clue so I can bring you back there when necessary. Like, where are you? I'm in the kitchen. Okay, great. So you're in the kitchen and you're feeling a, a bit of distress. Yes, I'm frustrated. Okay. What are you believing that's making you feel that way? That I'm doing everything in my power as a mother to give the best resources to the child and the child is still not trusting that it can help and that doesn't help him. So he should be... Try to, how about that? Start a sentence with he should. He should be buying into everything that I'm providing and just um, doing it and accepting it without fighting it. Okay, hold on. I'm taking notes. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't fight it. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So let's go with those statements. So I want you to pick, I'm going to read to you a couple of statements and I want you to pick one that really, that irks you the most. Okay. 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 He shouldn't fight it or mm-hmm. he should buy into what you're providing. He shouldn't fight it. He shouldn't fight it. Okay, great. So, and in this case, you know what it means. It's a loaded word and that's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. So put yourself in that situation. You're in the kitchen mm-hmm. and your son's doing whatever he's doing. You're doing whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't fight it. Is Mm. it true? Yes. Can you absolutely know that it's true that he shouldn't fight it? No. And how do you react when you believe the thought that he shouldn't fight it? I'm angry and frustrated at him. And what happens in your body when you're believing he shouldn't fight it? I'm tense. Very tense. (laughs) Anything else? Um, My back starts to hurt. (laughs) What are you unable to do when you believe the thought he shouldn't fight it? I was unable to be nice to him. What else? I was unable to be nice to everybody else around me in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, but who cares about them? Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. So now I want you to keep your eyes. If you, if you opened your eyes, close them again. Uh-huh. There you are in the kitchen. Take mm-hmm. a deep breath and literally just shake your body out. Just to kind of just... Just shake out that energy. Listeners, I'm shaking. Okay. <laughs> okay. So shake it out. And now picture yourself in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And there's your son mm-hmm. and whoever else is there. Mm-hmm. And the thought that he shouldn't fight it. I want you to imagine that thought walking out of the kitchen, walking out of the house, mm-hmm. going over to the local convenience store mm-hmm. and binging on Slurpees. Mm -hmm. So there's the thought binging on Slurpees and here you are in the kitchen without Mm -hmm. the thought that he shouldn't fight it. Okay. How are you without the thought? I'm calm. I don't really care that about his attitude. Like I'm just calmly going about my washing dishes. So there you are with the thought, without the thought. So your physiology tells me, what does it tell me about the thought based on what I just said about the lie detector test? That that thought makes me all tense up and... And what would that do to a lie detector test? Oh, it, oh, it would activate it. It would say, it would, it would go crazy. Right. And so even though I asked you at the beginning, is it true? And you said yes. 
Mm-hmm. What is your body actually telling us? Wow. The body's telling you that it's not true. Right. And the thing is that the vast majority of our intelligence doesn't actually sit in our conscious mind. It actually lives in our subconscious mind. That's the vast majority of our intelligence. Mm -hmm. And the subconscious doesn't communicate in words. It communicates through sensation, Mm -hmm. which is why you have so many nerve endings in your chest and so many nerve endings in your stomach. You actually Mm -hmm. produce more serotonin in your stomach than you do in your brain. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of like, you, like we kind of tend to think our brain is only above the head, but there's so much nervous system activity everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when you're believing something that's not true, what happens is you engage the stress, stress response in your body. You engage your adrenal glands mm-hmm. and they produce cortisol and adrenaline and cortisol and adrenaline, um, shut down your immune system, shut down your digestive tract. They, uh, m- make your heart rate go up, your breathing grows shallow, t- makes your muscles tense. Mm-hmm. And also does something really interesting is that it makes your vision myopic. You lose all of your peripheral vision when you're in a stress state. And your peripheral vision is where a lot of your creativity and open-mindedness comes from. So if you mm-hmm. think about people saying closed-minded, open-minded, yeah, so it's like literally you become closed-minded and you stop seeing all of the options and, and you're totally close to your creative self. So that's really helpful if you're in a forest and there's a bear and you need to run really fast. So now your heart rate's gone up. You've got extra juice in your muscles. You can run. Mm-hmm. But in a situation like this, it really hurts you because you have less resources to do whatever it is you want to do. Hmm. And so just being aware of like, oh, I'm believing something that's not true and I'm putting my body into stress. So right away we can say, okay, what's, what's another, what's another perspective that I can take? And this is where I think Byron Katie's genius comes in because she says that the the key to learning the lessons that a thought has to teach you Mm -hmm. is saying the opposite of the thought. Okay. So in Judaism, we talk about how everything that happens in our lives happens for a purpose. It has meaning. It has a reason, right? Like if you meet somebody new, you're clearly meant to meet them for some reason. You, in a circumstance, you're meant to meet them for a reason, but thoughts, we don't think that way about thoughts, but I do thoughts come into your life to teach you just as much as people do. Oh, I never thought about that. Okay, let's go there. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So you can see that. Like, it's like, oh, that's why I said, imagine the thought walking out the door. And it's like, yeah, you can personify thoughts because they come to visit us. And you'll notice thoughts to to certain people and not to other people. And you also, you didn't create the thought. Like, how many people have the thought, my son shouldn't fight me? Mm -hmm. It's like everyone, right? Every mom. Right. So, right. And because it's so, so many people have it. So then it's really just coming to visit you. It's not yours. Right. It's not mine and it's not me. Right. That's the bigger, biggest thing is that it's not you. Exactly. So the question is what thought, what uh, lessons does this thought have to teach you? And the lessons are embedded in the opposite of the thought. So what's the opposite of he shouldn't fight it? He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) He should accept it. Um, he shouldn't, he, he should accept it as the same thing as he shouldn't fight it. Oh, okay. You could say he shouldn't accept it. Oh, oh, oh. okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, 
So now when you're believing a thought, you tend to like stack up tons of evidence as if you're an attorney, right? You're the prosecuting attorney. You've got all this evidence for why this is true. Da, 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 da. So what you want to do is on the other side, stack up evidence for why the new thought is true. Okay. So wait, the new okay. thought is he should fight it or he can fight it? So what? one opposite is he should fight it. Okay. Okay. So if you want to do that one, that's there's a bunch of opposites. So he should fight it. Let's go with that one. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So, so now we need some evidence to support that thought so that you can start building a neural network around this new thought that is more likely going to bring you more joy than the other one that was totally stressing you out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So give me some reasons, and this is also going to expand your mind and open up your perspective. Some reasons why he should fight it. He's the owner of his body. Okay. Um, he should be assert- He could be assertive in life. Um, it's his health. I'm having a hard time coming up with another one. Let's see. Reasons why he should fight it. Yeah. Um, she, he shouldn't, he, he doesn't need to trust everything that everybody says. He can question things. Do we need more? Yeah. Keep going. This is good for you. Um, yeah, you can question medical treatment. Um, and then there are certain things like um, maybe he's frustrated or maybe he doesn't like the treatment. Yeah, definitely. He's frustrated. He doesn't like the treatment. It's an impractical treatment. You don't see results immediately. So it's very dragged out. It's hard. Maybe he doesn't have that much faith in it. Right. He doesn't have faith in it. It's hard to believe something that you don't see results. Oh, now I'm feeling more empathetic. <laughs> That's exactly it. Right. So it's like, you, and can you see how you're... It's like almost like your vision just opened. Yeah. Can you feel that in your mm-hmm. mind? Where it's just open because now you have to start. So this is when we talk about in Judaism, in Judaism, Dan mm-hmm. right? To judge someone favorably. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about. It's like you really start to expand your mind and search for all the reasons why a person's behavior is actually sensible. Right. Right. Now, how can we practice this questioning on, on a regular basis? Because these things happen so quickly and it all happens like on autopilot. Or maybe I should ask you, how do you do it to keep your brain like to catch your brain do playing these games on you all the time? Because I'm sure so, it, it does for all of us. It plays games on us. So I'll equate it to something a little bit simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, I started four years ago engaging in a yoga practice. Okay. And I noticed after a few weeks of doing yoga every day, I was much more likely to notice when I was holding my breath at some other random time of day. You know how a lot of us just don't yes. breathe? Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, yeah, totally. So I kind of, because I was spending an hour a day focusing on breath mm-hmm. and really being with my breath, I was more attuned to my breath. I was, I trained my mind to pay more attention to something it never paid attention to before. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow, I'm not breathing right now. And I'd breathe more. Mm -hmm. So it's just like that. Um, When I first started doing this work, I had to consciously work on it. I had to book time into my day. Mm -hmm. And what what I did was uh, a group of my friends, about 10 of us, met once a week and we practiced these tools as a group. Sometimes we worked on one person, sometimes we paired off. Um, it just depended on the week and our mood. Mm-hmm. And then with one of my girlfriends for about two years, we went for a walk every single morning for an hour. Mm-hmm. And one day I facilitated her and the next day she facilitated me. Mm-hmm. But I also took time to just work with a journal and like ask myself these questions with a journal and just answer them. Mm-hmm. And eventually... The quest, I was training my mind to perceive the world in this way. 
And a really cool thing happened about a year into doing this work. Um, someone I care deeply about decided to come to Israel to visit for the first time. Okay. Without calling me first. Mm-hmm. They booked their tickets without calling me first. And, um, and it turned out that the day that they were meant to arrive was exactly the day I was flying out of the country for the summer. Oh my gosh. And I was devastated. And all these really negative thoughts about this person came into my mind. And it happens to be my, this person happens to be my aunt who, um, has always been incredible to me. Mm -hmm. And so I get off the phone and my mind does the following. She's a horrible aunt. Mm -hmm. I'm a horrible aunt. Because the opposite of she is I in this case, okay? Uh-huh. So that she's a horrible aunt, and then I turned it around to I'm a horrible aunt, and then immediately popped into my mind all of the really incredible things that she does as an aunt that I suck at. Like she's mm-hmm. really great at buying presents, and I suck at buying presents. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was that I had an email from a niece of mine sitting in my inbox for three weeks that I hadn't responded to. Mm-hmm. And, and I immediately shifted from pointing fingers at other people for why things weren't working in my life to pointing the finger back at myself mm-hmm. and seeing how this aunt could teach me about how to be a better aunt. And that's it. It ended. It was like, I was no longer resentful. I was like, okay, she's going to live her life and do what she does. How can I be a better aunt? Wow. And so in this case, I would say the same thing to you because for someone who's familiar with this kind of work, it's really obvious how comical the situation that you're in is, Mm -hmm. but you haven't, you haven't caught the humor of it. Okay. (laughs) So another turnaround of he shouldn't fight it. Let's turn he to you. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I shouldn't fight it. Right. Okay. So notice, put yourself back in the kitchen. There you are with your son. Uh-huh. How is it true that you shouldn't fight it? Um, well, what's the it? Am I not fighting him or am I not fighting the medical treatment? Well, that's what's really interesting was that when you were telling the story of what happens when you believe that thought, mm-hmm. you, you talked about how you get really negative towards him and you get really negative towards everyone else. Like you were basically fighting the situation you were in. Yeah. You're fighting him. You're fighting the it in your case is the situation. Mm-hmm. He's fighting the situation in one way and you're fighting it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can see how challenging it can be to accept things exactly the way they are. Mm-hmm. And that also allows you to have more compassion for yourself and for your son. Wow, this is big stuff, people. <laughs> big stuff. This is big stuff. We want to make the world a better place. We start. It starts here. It starts with me. And I don't want people to make war. Where am I making war? Right, right, right. It starts with me and it starts with my thinking. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. This is very revealing. I didn't even think we could pull so much out of this simple situation of, you know, <laughs> taking nutritional supplements. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty, right? It's the beauty. It's like it's all those small moments in life are actually what bring us the biggest distress. People think it's like what's going on with the government or the big politics, but it's actually our small micro interpersonal yeah. interaction are really what bring us the most upset in life. And it's also those are the places where the greatest redemption can come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love the idea of what you said of how you take it to pen and paper to journal, because I think that would be really, really useful for listeners to just take a situation. In my case, it would be this situation and journal about what is it that's I'm fight. What is it that I'm really resisting and resisting and start questioning those thoughts right on paper, right? And flipping it all around. 
And, um, and so that's something I really take people through a process in the book, Hold That Thought, where I really teach people lots of tools for identifying the thoughts that are upsetting them and learning how to question those thoughts, understanding how those thoughts are affecting everything from our physiology to our behavior. Mm-hmm. And then learning how to explore different perspectives and then how to apply those new perspectives to actually being a better human being, which is what we really want at the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. And it's interesting because we ended up, in my case, choosing one of those words that you talk about in the book that it, that is so tricky, the shouldn't, right? We live with these, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, right? You talk a lot about language. You also talk about a double bind, which I don't think many of us realize how we our beliefs kind of put us in this double bind. Can you explain that to, to identify that for listeners? Because I think that's a powerful one. Yeah, so I love that chapter because I love the cartoon that's at the beginning of the chapter. I hired this really amazing Argentinian cartoon artist who's like mm-hmm. got this guy in a street, straight jacket and he's all twisted up. So, um, so basically, we um, have a tendency to take two concepts that are just existing in the universe and we mesh them together. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, uh, we often trap ourselves. So one concept that we see coming up a lot, particularly where we live in our hippie little neighborhood, mm-hmm. is um, wealthy people, rich people are greedy. Mm. And the reality is that if you just said rich people exist, right, that's not particularly charged for people. Greedy people exist. It's like, oh, okay, that exists and this exists, right? But as soon as you put them together, so people get all charged up. And the reason people get charged up is because it's not true, right? That's, that's one of your physiology. Right, right. The body's telling you. Brilliant. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Right. And one of, and one of the things that you can do is immediately, right? You can turn that around. Wealthy people are generous Mm -hmm. and poor people are greedy. And right away you can look around the world and see how the greatest philanthropic efforts ever to be done in history have been done by wealthy people, right? Of course. Yes. And (laughs) the vast majority of, of people who engage in robbery and theft are poor, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you can see how greed can exist in wealthy people and it can also exist in poor people, but it's not conditional. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you can separate those things, then it frees you to decide that you want to be a generous person who is also wealthy. Right, right. Because as long as you believe that that wealthy people are greedy, you will make sure that you stay as far away from wealth as possible. Yeah, your subconscious will ensure that you exactly because you you that's what you 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 live that reality, basically. Yes. So you believe well, you see what you believe, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I'm glad you brought it to this example, actually, because I think it's not just in Nakhlaot. I think that one is a particularly pervasive and in, in so for so many people. And I know that you know that I'm very passionate about the topic of money. So it's this was like right, right on the money, <laughs> sort of speak. And, <laughs> and oh, no pun intended. And, and, and you've written a, a fiction book with your husband on the topic of money, the cash machine. So why don't we talk about a little bit about how since your, your expertise is in this the thinking processes and how these thoughts now we've mentioned that double bind but I think there's a lot more here that people could do with your tools to kind of get to the core of where their relationship with money is kind of becoming a, a, a stumbling block for them and we don't even and they don't even they might not even realize yeah so my husband and I created this survey we call it like the Mason's magical money magnet survey oh and- that sounds cool 
Yeah, it's cool. So I'm happy to share the link with you. And it's got, um, I think, like 40 or 70 different statements about wealth, money, work, people, relationships, that kind of stuff, everything to do with money. Okay. And, um, and one of them is wealthy people are greedy. Another one is uh, learning about investments is too hard. <laughs> and so one of the things that we discovered was that our understanding of money was um, messed up and also not particularly educated. You mean your so, own? Your own? Our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, us as a couple. Mm-hmm. And so early on in our marriage, we had a very successful business and managed to make a lot of very poor financial choices with the money that came from that business and mm-hmm. sank ourselves into a, a nice wad of debt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my husband just kind of hit a point where he was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I want to gain a sense of mastery in this area of my life mm-hmm. rather than feel like a victim of it. And um, so we both learned about money, but like he like really took a massive deep dive into learning about money and money management and spent about a year and a half researching. Mm-hmm. But he knew that if he just researched money, it wouldn't be as fun. And that he'd be a lot more motivated if there was a book at the end of the of the rainbow. Ah. And so he was always learning in order to drive the story forward and in order to help the characters move forward in their learning and in their understanding. And so we wrote this story about um, a guy named Dylan and a girl named Amber. Amber's the protagonist of the book. And she's trying to figure out this guy's like taking on, you know, serious financial independence as his path to the future and to wealth. And she's trying to figure out if like, you know, they can have a future together. And in order to do that, she sees that she needs to learn about financial independence in order to see if they can even have a life together because Mm -hmm. money is so intrinsic to relationships. Yes. And so as she's getting her education, the reader's also getting their education. But we did it through a lot of really colorful situations and characters. And we left a lot of room for conflict and discourse. It's not mm-hmm. like there's one way of seeing the world and that's what we're going to deliver through this book. Yeah. It's really an opening for conversation. And, um, and we really want people to like start being exposed to like, okay, what is real estate? What are different investment vehicles? What works? What doesn't work? Like, um, what are the options out there? What are different perspectives about building wealth and money and time and relationship? And um, my husband's actually about to come out with a an online summit, which is launching in a few weeks yeah. so that people can take an even deeper dive into learning more about money. And he's interviewing uh, experts throughout the United States. Amazing. So that's pretty cool. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So then let me ask you this, because you already gave us some of the nice things that you do in your practical life. We talked about journaling. We talked about accountability with a small group of friends where you practice the the, the inquiry together, etc. Are there any habits that you personally, Hannah, practice in your financial life that kind of help you? And it could be that it's correlated to the other area of your life thoughts, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, but there are any habits that you particularly like keep you, you know, keep you, um, I guess accountable with your finances. Um, so definitely working on our perspective about money has been huge. Uh The other is, um, in investing, Mm-hmm. in things that are going to have a big bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. So we read this book. I think it's called Happy Money. I think that's what it's called. Oh, I'm not familiar where, with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about all of this research done on where money actually does increase your happiness. Yeah. 
And so one of those things is if you plan a trip far into the future, yes. so you get all of this anticipatory joy and mm-hmm. then you get the experience itself and then you get the, like the post trip, totally, you know, memory mm-hmm. joy. And so we've, we've put a lot of energy into that last winter. We spent five weeks in Ecuador mm-hmm. and we rented our house here through Airbnb and that paid for our entire trip. Oh, wow. That's cool. And so it's made our life feel very rich to do things like that. The other thing is we've decided to live in the center of town. We don't own a car. Mm-hmm. Um, we rent in a place where um, property values actually way uh, are much, much higher than rental values. Mm-hmm. So it actually behooves us to rent. Mm-hmm. And we are constantly, you know, every money, every bit of money that we make, we're putting it in some sort of an investment vehicle. Mm-hmm. And some of those investment me- vehicles are our books. Um, because our books are, you know, long-term products that can yield return for us for the rest of our lives. So right now I'm about to put out a Spanish versions of, uh, the size of your dreams and Mm -hmm. also hold that thought. And we have audio books of all our, uh, of our books out also. That's so awesome. Yeah. So that's been like some of our investments in kind of the long-term future of our own businesses also. And are you investing in real estate also? So we have real estate, um, private equity investments in the United States. Oh, very cool. And, um, and we really like investing in businesses because businesses give really good return on investment. Right. At the same time, we like businesses that have real estate because real estate offers depreciation, which mm-hmm. is a really, you know, for those who don't know about depreciation, you can learn about it in the cash <laughs> you, machine. You got to read the cash machine, people. <laughs> um, but basically gives you the opportunity to get a lot of tax benefits from the investments that you make. And that's been huge, life altering for us. It's really exciting. So this begs the question, Hannah, how are you so prolific? Because it's three books in one year, it's coaching clients, the you're working on more books. And so what what what's the secret here? <laughs> What's the secret? Um, that's a really good question. Um, so the books happen kind of slowly over time. We have this really awesome software called Scrivener where we just kind of plant seeds and that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, for a while when I was really focused on books, I didn't have more than one or two clients while I was writing. Okay. Um, so right now I'm trying to balance both and I see that it's a little bit harder. So this week I got about two hours of writing in. You know, it's but not does, a ton. does that mean that you your husband makes enough income that you don't need you don't have the pressure of bringing income through coaching when you're immersed in a book? Right. So okay. we have um, so we kind of built financial independence through our um, online retail business. Okay. Mm-hmm. We sell cabinet knobs online, mm-hmm. and my husband spends about four hours a week on that. He was kind of the four hour work week guy before mm-hmm. he ever read the book. He was already doing that. Um, and that frees us both to really engage in a lot of time spent writing, learning, exercising, being with people like we have really rich lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool. And um, I'm actually finding my writing is really slow now. So it's so funny that you say that because yeah. I'm really struggling sit down and write. And I was like, I got two hours of writing this week and I didn't write at all for the past six months. So it's like, woo! But um, I guess also that speaks to the fact that there's ebbs and flows, right? I mean, when you were homeschooling, this wasn't really happening. So, right, for listeners to understand that it's not that every year in our life is going to be, you know, productivity at its max. It just, there is a flow to life. 
Right. My son is now in high school and he's in a boarding school. So have a lot more time, um, to work and to engage and, um, and it's also to just be patient and, and really understand that things are in a process. Oh, that's a key um, one. It also really helps to write books together because my husband and I like to go on walks almost every day. Mm-hmm. And while we're on our walks, we have discussions about story ideas and characters and character development. And mm-hmm. um, actually the end of the cash machine, you read the cash machine, so you know yeah. the end, right? Yeah. Um, so the last hack in the book was actually our son's idea. Oh. Yeah. So we were hiking in Ecuador last winter and we were really stuck on the ending and how to make it work. And he came up with this idea. He's like, why don't you do a wedding hack? That is so cool. cool. And we hashed that whole scene out on this hike while we got lost trekking out in some mountain. Oh, I wouldn't want to get lost. Okay. That is so cool. Yeah. So, so there is the patience. I think patience is a key, which takes me back to your work because a lot of those thoughts that maybe people might be having that are so pervasive and so pesky about, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing enough or I'm not enough or I'm not producing enough or whatever it is, you know, um, if we go back and question them, that could put us in a, in a, in a healthier place and actually in a more productive place. Right. That's the funny thing is like one of the things I notice is people have beliefs because they think the beliefs are like tools to get them where they want to go. Mm-hmm. So people believe if I believe that I'm not productive enough, then that's going to make me more productive. Yeah. But when I'm believing that I'm not productive enough. I notice my energy goes down. My posture slumps. I can't think clearly. My mind is foggy. And I totally lose my ability to really just engage with whatever's in front of me. Wow. Wow. I so needed to hear that because I'm so addictive, addicted to productivity. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> you suffer from that too. It's like, totally. it's like the pandemic was supposed to slow me down. It's like put me in like, you know, 10x, 10x my speed. I had actually the same reaction. It was fascinating to hear people talking about like spending more time with family and like chilling out and reading more and knitting more. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like my business has just exploded. I know. uh, Pandemic. So I know. Yeah, it's fun. I know. I know. Me too. I do have to say the first few weeks, weeks, I did go into like a nest. Like I really just like but then it's like after Passover, boom, I was like on fire and I haven't stopped. (laughs) I I think everyone who's engaged in consciousness raising work is experiencing that, that like that what's part of the, you know, the shift in consciousness that we're experiencing right now, um, that the whole world is being asked to, to shift into is the, is, is the type of consciousness that you and I are helping people get to. Yes, exactly. That's how I feel. And and by and the way, so it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like no. work. It's like I'm being so productive and I'm doing so much. And I'm telling my and my husband's like, you're so lit up. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not I don't feel like I'm it's not draining. I, I'm doing so much and it's not draining me, which is great. Because you're being called to do more now. It's yeah. like, okay, 
it's your job, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like if we lived 100 years ago, we would have been sitting on our hands because nobody w- was ready to listen. Yeah. But we happen to be doing what we're doing at exactly the right time in history Beautiful. when the world is so ripe for it and needs it. And so it's like we're being given a, a bit of extra juice and resources and whatever it is we need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, and we've touched upon it a little bit, you've alluded to it, but let me ask you, how would you define a joyful, richer Jewish life? Ooh, um, the word that just comes up for me is presence. Presence. Wow. That so much of what Jewish practice calls us to do is to be more present in the moment. Mm-hmm. That when I pick up an apple, that I don't just shove it in my mouth. That mm-hmm. I that I really observe it and and experience gratitude for it. Not that I always remember to do that, but that's what what I'm being called to do. Yeah. Um, that's what blessings are about. You know, that's what. Shabbat is about is about being present with people and about being in the present moment and not striving towards future time, just being in the present time. Um, and it's also about bringing, bringing my awareness into the present because really what we're looking for all the time in our lives, like all this productivity and all of this chasing very often, what we're looking for is happiness. Hmm. But what you experienced was as soon as you watched the the thought, you know, go have it slurpy, all of the happiness and calm and joy that you were looking for, it was right there. Yeah. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to earn it. Mm -hmm. It's just there. And your ability to just be in the present moment is what allowed you to feel it. This is key. This is very, very key. Hannah, I know that you have a course related to everything you've taught us here today related to your latest book. It's um, Release That Thought. Tell us a little bit about what that program is all about and how it can help people. So one of the things that I notice is that very often we as human beings sign up for courses or sign up for coaching to give us the structure to do what maybe theoretically we could do on our own, Mm -hmm. but it gives us the support that we need to make it happen. So that's, I think, the biggest thing that the course offers. It takes the the lessons in Hold That Thought and brings them to life. Mm -hmm. So people watch me facilitating. They get to practice facilitating each other. There's a lot of practice facilitation. They get to ask questions when they hit a snag. um, You know, it's it was easy for me to facilitate you, but if, if, if you were trying to do it on your own, you might hit a snag or you might kind of lead yourself off in some trip. And so, so that's something that I teach people how to do, how to catch themselves, how to engage in this process on a continual basis. And, um, you know, we had 25 people in the first cohort and this cohort, my goal is to have a hundred people in the course. Beautiful. And what that allows for inside of the Facebook group is so much discussion. People ask questions. There's practice time. There's bonus material that comes up in the Facebook group itself. And so it's really a six-week course. We meet um, every week for two hours. And people really go in-depth into learning these tools and experiencing transformation. And what I've learned is that when I watch someone else being facilitated through a process, and I'm sure your listeners are going to experience this also, as they were listening to your process – They were going through it on their own in whatever places in their lives they were believing that somebody shouldn't be fighting whatever they believe, right? Which Mm -hmm. we all experience, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just this amazing opportunity to constantly become more and more aware over time and elevate our consciousness out of this place of constant struggle and conflict and anxiety 
and more into a place of calm and joy. And um, it's really important to me right now, particularly with everything going on, to keep things really affordable. So I've made the course. It's only $99. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just like a really cool opportunity. It's starting the first Sunday in August. I believe that's the second. Amazing. So really- Amazing. So I'm going to make sure to put that in the show notes and let everybody know about it because that sounds like something really, really helpful. Um, I could see how six weeks of practicing this with you and being engaged with a community that is doing this together could really transform um, somebody's life or set them up with being able to continue this work on our own because this is definitely not something that we learn, you know, like even I, you walked me through the process. It's not like now after I hang up with you, I'm going to be able to do it by myself, right? And this is just, you just gave me a taste of it, but I, I find that what you're offering people is the, the training to now empower them to be able to take it on their own. Right. And that's what I want. I want people to feel empowered to like not, you know, constantly be needing some professional to help them through their mental challenges that they really have tools in their own tool belt to help themselves. Exactly, exactly. And by the way, I didn't ask you and then we're going to wrap it up. But when as it pertains to women clients that you've seen and that you've practiced your your techniques with, are there any we talked about the, the pervasive kind of like the, the relationship with money and that that type of mentality, but any other issues that you see trip us over um, quite often as women? Or are there not not no particular patterns that you see? So I see this in men also, but I think women are more prone to it because of our more communal nature than men. Uh And that's, and that's the, the idea that it's my job to take care of other people's emotions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And when I do that, um, first of all, I, I spend a lot of time and energy trying to guess what their emotional experience is mm. and what the cause of their emotional experience is. And I often think that I'm at the center of everything. Mm-hmm. And so I must be the reason they're sad or happy when often they're sad and happy for all sorts of reasons that are beyond my comprehension. Mm-hmm. And so when we when we leave ourselves, so it's that same thing you did with your son. Yeah, I was going to say very similar, right? When you're believing he shouldn't fight it. So you're really in his emotional experience yeah. trying to change his emotions, but mm-hmm. it's an impossible task. Mm-hmm. So you being able to say, oh, I shouldn't fight it. So then that's the only emotional experience you can shift is your own. Yeah. And that's exactly what you did as soon as you gave permission for the thought to to leave, you stopped fighting it and you just accepted reality as it was. Mm-hmm. And that in many different flavors and iterations is at the core of what I do when I work with women. Amazing. Amazing. All right, Hannah, let's wrap it up with what I call JLP fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence and you're going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. I'm Hannah Mason and I feel most spiritual when probably in nature, mm. meditating in nature. That would be my answer. Nice, nice. Do you take time regularly to go outside? Yes, at least once a day. I'm hiking in nature. Uh, we go. We have a park that has a forest in it, and so we're we're out there pretty much every day. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. See, my idea of nature. See, my husband wants to move to Israel, but my idea of nature is not hiking. I need beach. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you Israel, but like we need beach. <laughs> I love right. Jerusalem, but I, I we have so much beach. Don't I know, worry. but it's like uh, maybe I'm in a double bind. It's like, well, if I'm moving to Israel, I should be in Jerusalem, right? Like that's where I need to be. That's a spiritual okay. center. That's where and, I need to be. But then there's yeah, El needs water, so that doesn't right. work together. I gotta work through that's, that one. So that's really interesting. Check in with your body. I should be in Jerusalem. No, what it doesn't. Is, how does your body? Re- no, it doesn't feel good. There you go. I need so water. That's not your should. It's somebody else's should. I know. 
I know. We already determined it. Yeah, yeah. I told my husband there has to be water involved. Next time, yeah, El Trush moves people. Mark my words. They will. There will be water in, in my view. <laughs> Please, God, it should be to Israel. I have, but. I have a community for you. Okay, perfect. So let's talk perfect. about that offline. That would be perfect. All right. <laughs> my favorite mitzvah or one I connect with the most is? Oh, Shabbat. No question. Hosting <sighs> people for Shabbat. Nice. <laughs> By the way, are you an extrovert or an introvert? I got to know this because you love people, but you love writing your books. So talk to me about this. Yeah, I'm both. I'm very much both. Uh-huh. Like I really thrive on human engagement. And then... um I'm an extrovert, but I'm also highly uh, sensitive. Uh, yeah, me so too. I HSP. just pick up a lot of stimuli and then I need alone time to just calm my nervous system down. So mm-hmm. it's a balance. Yeah, yeah, I could totally relate. All right, my fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Yeah, I just keep thinking about like matzo ball soup and Passover. Passover Seder. <laughs> it's just, it's like etched in my bones. It's beautiful stuff. By the way, you've managed to be over a, how many years are you in Israel? Like 20 years already? Uh, 17, 18 years. Yeah, with family. You don't have family in Israel, do you? Uh, no, not really. Wow. Like very far extended family. But like wow. my immediate family's in Miami, Panama, yeah. Colombia. I know it's hard. But you made it work. Yeah, you, you made it work. Okay, something I wish I'd learned about Judaism growing up is um, that it's not Christianity without Jesus. Ah, that's the best. <laughs> also, because I know the context. You're like a Latin woman. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought it was Christianity without the Jesus. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, totally. That's how we grew up, people. All right. When I give tzedakah charity, I like to give to so many things. That's if I had to pick my second favorite mitzvah would be that mm-hmm. my favorite. Um, so the vast majority of my tzedakah money goes to institutions. Mm-hmm. But my favorite act of giving tzedakah is to the beggars who are in the marketplace. I live right next to the Jerusalem Shuk, the, mm-hmm. the marketplace. And I've built relationships with uh, a number of the beggars and being able to have that interaction and to say hello and to and to just have two people see each other nice. and just appreciate each other is beautiful for me. Nice. So, Nice, nice, nice. Now, being that we talked about financial freedom and we talked about it a little bit, um, are you guys very um, particular or um, I I guess the word is strict? I don't know if that's a word about giving MICER. Um, Yes. So we like charity is just a huge priority for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are we're not as like structured about it as I would like to be. We've had some months where we were like really keeping track, but usually we're giving well over 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely see a correlation. Like as soon as my husband's business starts to drop, the two of us look at each other and we're like, okay, who can we give to? And we'll just give this big sum of money to some organization. And the next day the business picks up again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like clockwork. Yeah. So it's to us, it's just embedded in, it's almost like a law of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I always tell people. Business. Yeah. Yeah. And ha- and being very structured about it, structure was the word I was looking for, I think is uh, pretty magical. Um, all right. Uh, finally, I'm Hannah Mason. And today I feel most grateful for I don't know, I'm so in this moment, I feel so <laughs> grateful for you. Um, because I get to, to share what I do. And it's just so like, this, you know, this process of questioning my thinking has changed my life more than anything else and has really taken me out of some really, really dark places. And so to be able to give that gift to someone else and just see them have an aha moment is magic, just pure magic. Well, I want to explore what those dark places were, but we're out of time. <laughs> Lucky for me. <laughs> <laughs> ha, 
Ilana, this has been wonderful. And everybody, really, the book is Hold That Thought. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it pretty much everywhere. And with that, you also have The Cash Machine and The Size of Your Dreams, which I shall be reading this weekend. And don't forget, I'm going to put the links on the show notes and I'm going to let everybody know how to enroll to the new course starting August 2nd, I believe. Release That Thought with Hannah Mason. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Hannah Mason for stopping by. You can find Hannah at hannahmason.com and you can get a free download of her book, Hold That Thought, by heading over to my website, jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash hold that thought. That's how you can access this wonderful book. As I said in the interview, I absolutely loved it and I think you will too. And if you want to enroll in Hannah's new course, Release That Thought, head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash Hannah, C-H-A-N-A. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating. As always, thanks for being here. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I am actually taking time out, just time for myself. I'm taking it very chilled and slow this week. I scheduled a bunch of calls with friends just to talk and I blogged time out of my schedule where I will not be working at all. No WhatsApp, no emails, nothing. Staycation of sorts and I'm looking forward to it. Ladies, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.